0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Five simple steps to happier lady parts. How to say goodbye to leaking pressure and pain without setting foot in a doctor's office. Now that's the headline. Did it catch your attention? Because it definitely caught mine. Over 30 million women are suffering from... Lady part problems. One out of three women suffer from painful intimacy. 49% of all women deal with incontinence. And 50% of women have pelvic organ Prolapse. Now, this conversation is gonna go a lot deeper than your doctor telling you to maybe do a couple of kegels in your spare time. I am incredibly excited to have this topic on this Living Your Life with Leanne Lang podcast. And joining me from New York City is Isa Herrera, the founder of pelvicpainrelief.com and Renew Healing Center. She's the author author of five books on pelvic floor dysfunction and the newly released international bestseller, Female Pelvic Alchemy. Now she has been a pioneer for new integrative treatments which we are going to hit on uh, definitely over the podcast and I love this it is her mission to help 1 million women in her lifetime. She is also my first podcast guest that I'm doing this outside of my normal studio, and it's different for me because I don't actually have my guest with me, but I feel great about this because Isa and I met in New York City at an event called The Unfair Advantage Live where I met some amazing people working under the health and wellness umbrella, and I just realized these people have so much information to share. So Issa, it is so great to have you with me, and I thank you so much for being my guinea pig on this first first I kind of podcast in this setting. Thank you so much. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here, Leanne. Thank you so
1: much. A thousand thanks for inviting me and for covering this much needed topic.
0: Well, it's interesting because I didn't realize until we really started to talk just how important a topic it is and how many women are suffering. When I read that number, 30 million women are suffering from, and I know we kind of went with the the version of the lady parts problem, uh, but we are fully talking with, you know, in in any aspect of what's going on down there, uh, there are a ton of issues.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you know, um, uh, and a lot of these issues are kept very quiet by women. You know, they suffer many times in silence and they think that they're alone. They think they have nowhere to turn. But in reality, we're actually in the majority. We're in the majority. We're not in the minority. And there are so many things that women can do to bring back their pelvic vitality and to heal themselves. So I am so grateful that we're covering this topic because I think we're going to help a lot of women who are
0: listening in. So... I, I love to go back and I love to tell stories. And that's the main thing about my podcast, because I think everyone has a story as to how they actually got into this work and how it developed and how you began to study and understand what's going on. But I think the first thing I just I need to ask, because I, I want people to understand what this topic is really about, because when you talk about pelvic floor, you know, I don't want people to get lost in the first five minutes of what it is that we're talking about, because people don't tend to make that correlation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's true. What exactly yeah. What exactly is it when you are referring to that so people will know as we're going through?
1: Well, when, when we're talking about the pelvic floor, the most important thing is to understand that that's, you know, our creativity is the first chakra. It's, it's what holds us up and holds us in, right? And when there's something really going wrong with the pelvic floor, you know, you can experience a multitude of symptoms such as menstrual cramps, Pain with intimacy, leaking when you cough, sneeze, or laugh. Sometimes you have pain with sitting or you have a, st- a stabbing pain deep in the pelvis. Or many times, I, you know, you're going to the bathroom, you know, like every hour, which is such a nuisance. Or you're getting up at night, so you can't even get a good night's sleep. Or worse than that, you can't be as active as you used to be, you know, like play the sports that you want to or chase your kids around or your grandkids. So it's really a, a, a quality of life issue. When it comes to pelvic floor dysfunction.
0: And there's one thing to just not be able to jump on a trampoline anymore, which I I can't do. I mean, I'll I'll fully admit to that. But this is going into just the everyday living that is affecting women uh, in the most simplest of ways.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely true. And the thing is, some women start to think that just because it's common, that it's normal. Right. So they're like, oh, I just, you know, have a couple of spots on my panties and and, you know, I have to switch positions when I'm making love or, you know, what I can't run anymore. I can't do the trampoline anymore. Right, So they start to think that this is a normal part of aging or it's a normal part of of motherhood or it's just a normal part of being a woman. And the thing is, just because it's common doesn't make it normal. And 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 we don't have to live that way. Right. There are so many things that you can do to 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 pump up your strength because really when you think about the pelvic floor muscles it's it's a muscle like any other muscle in the body it really is no different right if you had a knot in your shoulder you would massage it right if you had a trigger point in your in your neck you would press on it right if you were if you had you know weak postural muscles you would strengthen it right so it would be the exact same thing with the pelvic floor there is really no difference right but because it's such a taboo topic. We start to think that it's very mysterious, right? And and actually it's not mysterious at all. It's actually pretty simple to take care of and and natural remedies is the way to go before you even think about doing anything like a surgery or getting an injection or you know how, you know all you have to do is watch late night TV and you'll see especially in America what's going on with this industry.
0: Mhm. Well, at least it's something that we're talking a little bit more about and and I'm amazed to see when you do bring this topic up more and more women are, I think, more open to it. And I know you have a, a course that you're going to be doing. And, you know, the mere fact that you have over 20,000 women already registered for this, you know, to be able to take in and and soak in as much information, you know, online, it's, it's amazing. Did you think that once you started having the dialogue that as many women would come out?
1: No. No, I'm actually as surprised as everyone else. I really am. And I do this once a year where I do a free masterclass, so it's free right? I give you all my best tips. I open up the awareness. I open up the possibility of a new life. And then at the end, if you're into it, I invite you to go on a deeper journey with me. But every year I do this as a way of giving back. And when I saw the numbers climbing, you know, I thought it was great when I hit 15,000 and I put that on Facebook, right? And then all of a sudden, like, it's like three days later and I'm at 21,000. I was like, it's the pelvic revolution we've been waiting for
0: it really is i love it now what was the start i mean when you talk about a pelvic revolution this was definitely i would think not something you were thinking about when you first started on this journey or when you were looking at renew or you were kind of starting to understand all of this what was the interest in the first place for you to get into this
1: You know, actually, in the beginning, I had no interest, right? And I went to PT school, and when I was in PT school, they teach you nada about the pelvic floor, nothing about women's health. And I was pregnant in PT school, which is really interesting, and then I had my baby, and you know, I had so many issues with my pelvic floor and I kept going back to my doctor. And he kept saying, oh, he said, this is normal. You know, you're healing. And I'm like, okay. So then I will leave the office and I'd be okay. It's going to be okay. And you know, in the meantime, I was wearing panty liners. I couldn't sit. I couldn't breastfeed. I couldn't make love. I couldn't do anything. So I go back to my doctor and he tells me the exact same thing. And I'm like, well, this is weird. How can this be normal? I cannot be the only person in the world suffering from this. And then I go back and he tells me to do a bunch of Kegels. So I'm a really good patient, right? I do a bunch of Kegels and I almost end up in the emergency room with pain. And then when I walked out of that office that day when I was doing the Kegels and I realized, and maybe it was my female intuition, maybe I knew deep down inside that natural healing because I come from a lineage of healers, right? Traditional healers. And I knew at that point that I had to take matters into my own hands because, you know, Western medicine wasn't going to help me. You know, all they were offering me were antidepressants and Botox injections into my vagina and all kinds of things or get a surgery. And I wasn't about to do any of that. And so I really just went on a mission. You know, I I, I read everything. I'm like a crazy student. I read everything. I took every single course that I that, that I that I could, and then I went on a process on a journey of healing myself, right? right? And then that was the pivot.
0: I think when when you become your subject, right? You had to go through this because this affected you. And when you talk about and you list off everything that was that was going wrong, when you become the subject and actually realize how you're able to heal yourself, it, it's incredibly empowering. But my question was, you know, if if you're in the doctor's office and he's going, you got to do some Kegels. I think when you look at the 30 million women who are dealing with this, how many of those women have gotten that instruction? Go home and do Kegels. Do Kegels while you're waiting in the office. Do Kegels while you're sitting at your desk. Right.
1: And the irony is that for
0: women with sexual pain,
1: and that includes the 30 million with chronic pelvic pain, even low back pain, hip pain, they're not a candidate for Kegels, right? Because typically the pelvic floor muscles have to be very supple, very open, very flexible. But when there's an issue of pain, like what I had, Kegels are like the worst thing to do. Like if you're listening right now, you have to create more balance, more flexibility, right? In order to then restore the power. But we're just taught squeeze, 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 squeeze until we're squeezing ourselves to death. And then we develop what I call Kegel tension syndrome. I just named that disorder. Because I'm like, that's what it is. It's Kegel tension syndrome. I got it, you know, because no one could explain what was going on.
0: Can I ask you if you were, because you were such a great student and because the doctor said, go home and do Kegels, when you talk about ending up in the hospital, what was the actual issue that you had overtrained that you had, what had happened Mm -hmm.
1: I had overtrained. I know now that what I had was a a tear of my vaginal wall that went undetected by my MD because everything from the outside looked fine. And when that tear started healing, it started enveloping and getting scar tissue around the nerve, right? So I had a deep stabbing pain, very much like sciatica inside the vagina.
0: Could you imagine that? That's like almost being in labor all over again.
1: Oh, I think it was worse than labor. I think the labor I tolerated well. I think the recovery I couldn't tolerate at all. And so it's really interesting because I had this magnificent birth. It was beautiful all now, you know, the whole thing. But the recovery and then the lack of instruction at bedside as to what to do, how to care for myself. And it was really interesting because when I went back to my doctor and he examined me and he tested my pelvic floor, which now I know he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He said, oh, I wish my wife had your strength. And He didn't get it because when you're tight, right, and when you have scar tissue, it feels like you're strong because everything is compressed, right? So it's very misleading, which is why I really want, and, I, you know, I started doing this, this pro training because I really want Because, you know, if I I want to heal a million women, I need other practitioners to help me do that. I can't do this alone. And so I created some pro classes for doctors and midwives and Pilates instructors and yogis. And I said, you know what? The only way to change is to want to empower the women to do the work, to help them know what to do for themselves, and to get the practitioners to understand how to help them, right? Because, I don't know, I have a philosophy about, about medicine and healthcare that, our job is to awaken the inner guru in the patient and the client. Uh, my job is not to make you dependent on me for the rest of my life. You know, I mean, that
0: wouldn't be fair, right? It's the it's the ability to instruct and to show and to give them access to these programs or these exercises or this mindset to be able to help themselves heal. That's essentially what, what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly it. Thank you, Leanne.
0: Well, well I think it it's the information that that women need and then hopefully they're sitting around their book club or their bridge table or having a (laughs) glass of wine with their girlfriends and be like listen have you thought about this or you know sometimes people are able to open up and discuss that there are issues happening you know and and the other day I, i i ran to the bathroom at an event and my husband goes where are you going and i'm like i don't know what's going on but i just feel like i gotta go to the bathroom again right and then i went to my girlfriend i'm like i'm i'm going to the bathroom again like i just went and she's like oh my gosh it happens to me all the time you know so once you start to be able to have this dialogue, you're able to to be a little bit more open about it. But I want people to be able to be open about it and know how they can start the healing process. So let's go through some of the things that that we can start to work on or that you and that you the information is what you want to pass on. And I think for hopefully for women that are listening and even for the men that are are looking to be able to help their loved Mm -hmm. ones to be able to think about it. I think what will first come to mind, you know, because you talked about it was the the sexual intimacy, the pain During sex. Is this Mm -hmm. often the case um, with different kinds of childbirth? Does it happen immediately after childbirth? or Are we talking that it could be 20 years after you've had your child and you still could be dealing with issues? Or do you anticipate that these are issues that go away?
1: You know, the thing with, with with pain with sex is really interesting. It can happen to any lifespan of the woman, right? Especially if she's going through the hormonal change, because there are changes in the tissue and there are changes, you know, the, the, the vitality decreases, right? And then things can get tighter. Um, the Interesting enough, when I had my practice on Madison Avenue here in New York City, the majority of the women that I treated for sexual pain had no children. Point. Really? That was a mind-blowing experience for me because the entire time, I thought I was going to be treating new moms. Right. Right, which was crazy. And then when I saw these young girls coming in, I'm like, what the heck is going on? I had to go into a deep evaluation of that. And I think it's this overtraining, this sucking in, this... this. Um, not listening to our bodies when we're getting these initial messages, right? So some of this pain starts and some of this leaking, you know, as a matter of fact, 37% of collegiate athletes leak on themselves.
0: These are young women. Well, I was thinking about that. And I remember you and I had this discussion when you talked about how athletic women, so you would think that they were strong, have strong inner cores, that they were dealing with this and how uncomfortable it must be to be out on a field and to be out running and, and acknowledging that something is actually happening down there. And it's probably not discussed and it's not like you're going to the sidelines and saying, coach, I'm having, there's, there's things that are going on right now. That's a high percentage, especially in that age group when you're talking collegiate.
1: Yeah. And, and thank you for pointing that out because the thing is this dialogue between the, this, this elite athlete and their coach has to be more open, right? Because sometimes it's the overtraining, the sucking in, they're not creating the balance, Right. Especially if they're really having some issues with their estrogen level because they are overtraining or they are missing their periods or, you know, they're so used to like banging on their bodies all the time and they're not creating the flexibility in the stretching program. So I think that if these athletes, you know, could be more open and it's really hard. I know it's hard to be open about these topics and it's embarrassing. And sometimes the coaches, you know, they don't want to hear it. But I think that when, when this dialogue opens a little bit better, you're going and they train the athletes better, right? And we train our bodies better. Then we're going to have even more success with our athletic endeavors and with our lives, right? Because then now we're really treating the whole person, right? And ultimately, the pelvic floor—it is the center of your being. It's the first chakra. It's the set, and it's connected to your upper and lower extremity. So it is heavily influenced by everything. It's not just this isolated part of your body. And you say, oh, I'm just going to train that. And that's going to be cool. And everything's going to be fine. But we forget that we're very dynamic beings, right? That the pelvic floor is the deep connector. I call it the Grand Central Station, right? Because everything travels through, right? Even meridian lines, you know, uh, acupuncture meridian lines. So once we start to understand that we're just so much more than a Kegel, so much more than, than a
0: contraction. Okay, so let me break that down. What women are used to hearing about is doing the Kegels, right? And that is, it is, you know, when we could be sitting and it's con- like contracting the inner muscles, right? We we kind of contract in and out. And sometimes you could do that for a little bit of time. Sometimes they set a limit, you know, oh, I'm going to sit here and do 50 Kegels. Who does the, who does the Kegel help? Because you mentioned this right off the top. Who does the Kegel help? And who does it not help? Okay.
1: I think ke- for every Kegel, there's a reverse Kegel, right? So for every, every action, there's a reaction. This is a principle of life. So for every Kegel, there's a reverse Kegel. So Kegels and a reverse Kegel is the opening and the relaxation. You just can't contract without releasing afterwards, right? Because then you're going to create problems. Kegels help women who are leaking. They okay. help women who have... Um, pelvic instability sometimes who have SI joint pain you know that low back pain lower than the back they help women who have pelvic organ prolapse what's that Um, what
0: is pelvic pelvic organ? organ
1: prolapse the pelvic floor muscles hold all the organs up the bladder the uterus the rectum right and when these muscles are weak these organs can drop into the vagina because that supportive mesh that supportive basket is weak and so instead of holding them they drop down and so a lot of women get something like a deep pressure in the pelvis or they get this feeling like something's about to fall out and they don't know what it is or sometimes they feel like there's something inside the vagina moving and so then that should be telling you that there's something that you you have to pay attention like what's the next step right and what are you going to do
0: Okay. That actually is a great explanation. And I can actually picture it, right? As you're, you're looking at this bowl and it's, it's getting heavier and heavier and it's pushing down. So that's what the, the pelvic organ prolapse is. You were talking about the Kegels as to who it's good for and who it's not. So as you mentioned the, the tightening and then the releasing, especially for women who are leaking, who do you not recommend do Kegels? I
1: don't, yeah, I don't recommend if you have severe low back pain, maybe a herniated disc, maybe sciatica, you know, it's it's, it's 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 a double-edged sore because you can benefit from Kegels, but in the beginning, because there's so much pain, we tend to grip with pain. So probably not a good idea to do Kegels if you're suffering from that. If you're suffering from something called vaginismus, which is like a severe spasm of the pelvic floor muscles. If you're suffering with pain, with um, penetration, either initial penetration or deep, Sexual penetration. If your orgasms are maybe, um, if you have pain after orgasms, which a lot of women do,
0: you know, how if unfortunate you're cons- to how unfortunate it's- to have an anticipation of joy followed by an immediate pain. They, you yeah. d- what, it's not worth the joy anymore if you're just going to have the pain. And so, I I, ten- I would th- I would think, Issa, that you have a lot of women that come to you that say it's just not worth being intimate yeah. or having sex because I just it's it's not worth it afterwards. Do you get that a lot?
1: I get that so much and it's so sad because I think the one thing that drives them to my programs, my online programs and and everything else is the fact that they're missing that connection with their partner. Right. So if you're leaking on yourself or if you leak while you're making love or if you have pressure or if it hurts, then why would you want to be intimate with Why Why would you want to go there? Right. And so then what happens is I get a lot of women coming to me. Oh, my marriage is on the line. I get a lot of women also, which is really sad that their partners are very intolerant of it and they leave them. They just walk out, right, before they're healed. And it leaves a traumatic sense of not being whole, not being enough, you know. And so now they have not only the physical condition. And by the way, pelvic floor dysfunction is a physical condition. It's not a psychological disorder. Right. you know
0: I, yeah it's not, it's not it's not someone saying oh it's all in your head this is not one of those it's all in your head things
1: yeah exactly that's a great point because the thing is frequently women are told you're stressed out you're taking on too much you're a new mom right or they say, you know you have to relax or you're, you know and, and or it's in your head because they can't physically see anything wrong so many women all their tests come back negative To me, when your tests come back negative, it's a good thing. I'm like, okay,
0: we know what we're dealing with here. What would they be, Issa, what would they be testing for? Like, what would a woman be going into the doctor then so that you're coming out with these negative tests? But what would they be looking for?
1: They would be looking for yeast infection. Sometimes the pelvic floor muscles can mimic yeast infection, UTIs. Um, It can mimic, you know, um, like a burning feeling in the vagina. Right. They can be looking for some sort of issue in the pelvic area, like maybe the nervous compressor, so they'll do an MRI or CAT scan, or sometimes they'll do all kinds of bladder tests, which is crazy. And, and then what happens is all these, these tests come normal. So then the woman comes to me and she's frantic. She goes, definitely there's something wrong with me psychologically. I'm, I'm to blame. And then that's the saddest part. I think when I hear that, when I hear this, this, because because, you know, conventional medicine is, is failing them, right? They're not really getting to the root of the problem. They're saying, no, we don't know what's, what's wrong with you, so I'm going to give you a Band-Aid. I'm going to give you, like, you know, some kind of drug to stop you from wanting to go to the bathroom a lot. Or I'm going to give you some antidepressant because, obviously, you must be depressed, you know? And so I think that that's the biggest thing when they come in and they're like, I'm I, I, I'm not I'm broken. and I'm here to say that, know you're not broken. So you're actually just in a healing crisis and you have to find the right guidance, right? I think that's what it's all about at the end.
0: You know, you mentioned that there is a right guidance and there are certain things that could work. And, you know, in reading some of the things that you'd worked on, there are, or that you had mentioned, you know, there are injections or there are different treatments. When do you recommend that people can follow through with a conventional medicine or that there's, there's a way to heal you know, using a medical practice? And when do you recommend that it's not necessarily the right route to go?
1: Well, the first thing I would recommend is that you you just go and get a a complete physical and just make sure that everything is, you know, checks out. The majority of the time it's going to check out. And then in in the United States, the NIH, the American Urological Society, um, recommend conservative therapy. We're talking about meditation, yoga, massage, stretching, and a core program right which are all part of my online program before you do any kind of like injection botox injection or you do intravaginal valium or you'll do something um like a surgery which i don't believe in surgery at all i believe this is fixable through conservative therapy i've seen it over fourteen thousand times in my center along with the women that i've treated um When things are just like, when you've tried everything and you've tried it for a while, because the thing is, because these conditions are so chronic, sometimes they're like, you want, everybody wants the miracle cure. They want the magic Mm -hmm. bullet healing, right? And it doesn't exist. Sometimes it takes three months. Sometimes it could take six months. Sometimes it could take a year, right? So we have to, we have to hold space for ourselves and we have to have self-compassion and we have to have patience. Right. But the thing is, we get so wrapped up and I want this fixed right now without trying these other modalities that we know work, conservative therapy, that they'll go and they'll flow into this whole sequela of Western medicine. And then it just bring, it just takes them down the rabbit hole.
0: Right. Like, it's like Alice it, in Wonderland. Yeah, it's like the diet pill, right? Just give me the quick fix and, you know, you lose the weight for a little bit and then it comes back on and then you're into that same, you know that same whirlwind you you can't you can't escape it you do talk about these conventional methods and that you had helped over 14,000 women just in your center alone so can you explain what some of these conventional kind of what what you see as your conventional method <laughs> is that well, a fair is that a fair way to say it yeah that's a
1: fair way of saying it for sure great question Leah. and i think the most important thing is a lot of women don't know their own unique anatomy right they don't understand like That the pelvic floor muscles are are inside the vagina, but you can also access them outside the vagina. So I believe in working externally on the vulva vaginal area, but you must work internally doing different types of pelvic floor massages, release work, inner thigh work, body work, trigger point work. If you have a scar, right? And a lot of women don't get this. They're like, oh, I had a cesarean and it's got nothing to do with my pelvic floor because nothing came out of my vagina. And I'm like, no, it's got everything to do with your pelvic floor because the abdominals and the pelvic floor are connected like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. So once we start to work on that scar, everything gets released, right? So it's really super important to understand that, yes, there are things that you can do. So massage is one of them. Foam rolling. You can do core work. You have to heal your diastasis recti separation if you have one. Um, oh wow! Dilator work, which look like little dildos. You put them inside the vagina to open
0: and stretch you. Okay, wait, wait. wait. Okay, stop. Let's slow down, <laughs> Issa, Slow down. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm like trying to do like a mental. Like I'm trying to mentally visualize what you're talking about, you know. And then so, okay, go from the outside. Let's go from the outside in. Because you were yeah. talking about, are there, are there techniques of a way that you're, you're massaging, you're working on the outside? Is there anything that we can do via touch?
1: You can do everything via touch because the beautiful thing about the pelvic floor muscles is that it has a map on the outside of the vagina and the glutes, right? Okay. So a lot of women are like, I don't want to go inside and touch myself. I'm like, you don't have to. You know, of course, has the gold standard. But you can do like skin rolling on the labia you can do trigger point release. I mean, there's a slew of things that you can do. I mean, a lot of things. But it really starts first with knowing the anatomy, you know, which is why I started everybody off with that. And I think they hate me for it
0: because they're like, oh. You I'm feel like you're in back school. in school. Yes. Yeah. And it's terrible. That would have been and I'm me. like,
1: yeah, you sort of. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. so you start. So you start with that in class, a picture of the yeah. anatomy. Let's figure out exactly what we're talking about here. Okay, and then you you mentioned some tools. Is that fair to say? Like what we were talking you were talking about these balls or these stretching, like what were those? Go back.
1: Yeah, dilator, dilators. They look like little dildos and they come in progressive sizes and they
0: I never <laughs> thought I'd be mentioning dildos on my podcast. This is great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> People are going, "What just happened?" Okay, so that's what they look like, little ones.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, no, they they go they go all the way to very big, right? And the thing is when you're having difficulty with with or pain with sex or, or or with any part of sex doesn't feel wonderful and fantastic many times you have to open the pelvic floor and these are like tools of the trade right these are some of the tools that we use we use dilators we use crystal wands sometimes i'll use a yoni egg if someone is really tight and they're really they're having spontaneous spasms in the vagina I may put say, "Hey, take this yoni egg, put it inside, so
0: you can open and learn to release and let go." Like, okay, wait. So these okay, are wait, 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 no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm learning so <laughs> much right now, Isa. So if if you were in like a private session with a client, you would be showing them how to insert and how to be able to move or to be able to sit or maintain having this inside. Yeah, is that right? Okay, I'm yeah, an, I'm I understanding show, this right? I, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I show it in my classes too. It's really actually very simple. It's not that complex, you know, which is what I want to tell people. That these are techniques that you can actually learn, right? And with the dilator, it's the same way. I go through this whole thing where I explain how to use them, how to stretch. And there's eleven different types. I teach, I think eleven different types of pelvic floor massages. Or mild fascial release. I use the word massage. People give me a lot of crap for it, but that you know, I have to use the term that people understand, right? right? So, so that's, that's one of the things, right? So a lot of women, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to ever touch myself inside. I'm like, okay, cool. Then you have to learn how to work externally on yourself, mm-hmm. right? But you need to have different tools for different parts of, of your, the stages of your life, right? And if there's been a lot of trauma, which a lot of women have had trauma to the pelvis, you know, or emotional trauma, or there's been a rape or something like that, then many times these women in the beginning it's is just, too much. It is too aggressive to start inside. So I, that's why in my class I, had, I added a whole module on just external body work, right? And then we have to remember because the pelvic floor muscles are so connected, you can work externally and have a big influence on them, especially if you have, if you're going through a severe healing crisis, right? It's not going to feel right to go inside and do that.
0: What would you say is a severe healing crisis?
1: I would say a severe healing crisis would be if you've had some sort of surgery to the pelvis, um, a scar, perineal scar, or tear with childbirth. If there's been um, um, some uh, a rape, okay, and the pelvic floor muscles do respond, right? They tend to get tight. Mm-hmm. If um, you've been in a car accident and you have whiplash, or if you've had some sort of back surgery or a hysterectomy or a myomectomy, you know, um, these are types of surgeries and types of situations where we have to start, we have to go gentle into the night, Mm -hmm. and we have to meet our bodies where they are, right? Which is why it's important to understand this concept of connection, that
0: everything is connected, right? I think you need to have a client or patient that's open to that concept, though. Yeah. You would hope yeah. that, you know, the the 20,000 plus women that are going to be doing this course are, are there because they're open to this concept of, of going the non-traditional way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, the average person, the average woman sees five to seven doctors before she gets a diagnosis, especially in the U.S. Um, when they do go to see a doctor, 50% of them are dissatisfied with their encounter, right? So a lot of the women who, who who follow me, who take my programs, really have been on what I call the Dr. Rose show, right? And they're sort of fed up and they're ready. And I think moving forward, self-care is not selfish. It's not an indulgence. It's actually an act of political warfare for women. It's really the, 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 the time is now to understand your uniqueness and to take back the control of your body.
0: Right. I just don't think people think that they've lost control of their body. I think a lot of them just think this is the way it's supposed to be. As we mentioned right at the top of the podcast that, well, this is just the way it is, or I'm aging. I just had a baby. Um, I'm a grandparent now. What else is, you know, everything's falling apart. So Is there still a way for people to do this turnaround and say, you know, there's one that we're talking about this collegiate athlete who's, you know, 19 to 22 years old, you know, or 17 to 22 years old, or you have, you know, a grandmother who's 70 years old, but who still wishes to have intimacy and to enjoy things and to, to not feel like Mm -hmm. she's running around with the grandchildren that she's going to be leaking, you know, is this available like this? This can be reversed at any stage. I
1: think so. I have a woman right now. The oldest woman in my program is 86. If there's hope for
0: her, there's hope for everybody. But even at 86, she's making the choice to say, Mm -hmm. "Okay, I don't have to I don't have to live like this. I can actually make the change. What would can I ask? I mean, as, as at 86, what would the issues be there? And I if you say was, that she's having pain during intimacy, I give her full credit for being eighty-six and still wanting to get it, you know, and still going. Let's no, get listen, this. No, this. Have
1: 70, I have a seventy. year old who went on her first date with <sighs> pain with intimacy. So don't knock that down. I think with her it was the, the, the diapers. Okay. And the skin, the skin, the the skin breakdown on her vulvovaginal vaginal area, and the infections
0: from wearing and, the and
1: diapers. Yeah, from wearing the diapers and being uncomfortable and smelling like urine. And she was just at this point, she had seen my master class and she was like, oh my God, I'm going to try. And you know what? When I looked at her, I was even like, I was like, whoa, man, that's, a, that's getting up there. I don't know. But the thing with her, with her was that she had this internal drive, right, to help herself. And she did the work. She watch the videos. On, and actually, she's doing much better. I have a testimonial from her, actually. So it's really interesting when when women make a decision, no matter what age, that there's always, I believe everything is fixable.
0: Okay, so she's 86 when she comes mm-hmm. to, to see you. I would assume that she had been probably years or decades having issues prior to that, that, it, that it, this was occurring prior to her just having to be in a diaper. But I, I find it, fascinating that you probably have, you know, different generations that would like, you know, or family members that would love to be able to help their elderly parents not have to be able to deal with this, even if they're not quite educated or informed that this is out there.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great, um, it's great feedback. And the thing is, it's really sad, right? Because you see a lot of these people uh, in diapers and they can be helped, right? Because what we have to remember is that the human body is remarkable in its ability to heal itself. Our muscles don't age, right? And the literature shows this, right, that the muscle of a 70-year-old is going to respond the same as the muscle of a 20-year-old. I mean, this is in the literature. So I believe that the pelvic floor has that same potential to get strong no matter how old you are. But it does begin with awareness, right, because the one thing that I heard from her was I had no idea that there was help for this. That was the one thing that she told me, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's not something that is out there in the media and mainstream, which is really fantastic that you're covering this, Leanne. I really appreciate it. So her thing was awareness. And I think the first step in all healing is the awareness, right? The possibility of something new, something different.
0: Okay, I'm going to go from the 86 and I'm going to go, you know, to the exact opposite. And we're going to have young young women and I want to focus on those that um, are pregnant right now or who are listening to this and have heard horror stories about what happens after. What could they be doing now and what could they be doing, you know, immediately after to be able to have the best self-care for themselves?
1: I think for pregnant women, you know, one of the most important thing is to understand that there is 9 months of pressure on the pelvic floor, right? So they really need to work with their core Right. And and they really need to understand that 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 if they're leaking in the the prenatal pregnancy part, it's just gonna get worse. It just doesn't matter, just like boof. <gasps> because
0: really? I think we we would say to ourselves, Oh, well, it's because we're pregnant, you know, there's always yeah. there's always an excuse that we give ourselves.
1: Yeah, there's always an excuse. And you know what? The thing is, once you're aware of your excuses and you really own up to it and you understand that it's an excuse, and that's the beginning of your healing, right? But in pregnancy we're so used to thinking well, if I leak, that's normal. Oh, I got pressure on my vagina. That's normal. I got back pain. That's expected. But the thing is, the pregnant body is a, is a body of extreme health, right? I mean, we're growing a baby inside us. And you have to, like, really be very proactive in pregnancy and strengthen your body and work out and do core and heal. If you have a separation in your core, you have to heal that. If, you, if you're leaking, you really need to figure out what's going on with your pelvic floor so you can support it. Um, And then you can do something like at 36 weeks, you know, you can do perineal massage to prevent a a tear in the muscles, which now shows that if you do this gentle massage while you're pregnant, um, the muscles bounce back um, faster. If you are more conditioned in the pregnancy, just overall conditioning, then you also bounce back in the postpartum period right okay. so it's really interesting like like some people say like well i'm pregnant and that's that and that's all i can do but when you're pregnant you have to even take stricter care of your body right, right. because this baby is going to come out <laughs> it's,
0: well and it could come out and it could tear or i mean yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get into you know all the different issues that could happen if it's a healthy delivery you know things are going well when can when can uh, a woman start to try to be able to heal and strengthen and and kind of start to feel normal again?
1: I think it depends on the labor and delivery, but I believe that um, core work, sensible core work, work working the deep core can be started within a week. The most important thing that I find in in, in postpartum is that women are doing too much and lifting too much. And you got the baby, you got the stroller, you got the breast Mm -hmm. pump. I mean, you carry like 15 pounds of things and that puts also additional pressure. So depending on how you are, Typically, you'll wait six weeks till you're fully healed, right? And then you can start some sort of conditioning program, right? But if things have gone really bad or something has happened, then you may want to start sooner. It really depends. But six weeks is the best time. Um, but so there's certain things that you can do in the immediate period, like watch how you're sitting, be careful not to carry too many things. I when, believe not okay, to Lisa, carry Okay, Hold anything. on, hold on.
0: Because yeah. when you say be careful how you're sitting, What's the proper way then? Like, what's the focus on how we should be sitting?
1: Yeah, I think sitting is the new smoking for the pelvic floor. It really is. You know, many times if you're sitting all slouchy and, 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 you know, forward head, it puts a lot of pressure on your belly, on your organs, and on your pelvic floor, right? So poor sitting posture is detrimental for the pelvic floor. But if you're sitting really tall, if you're sitting up, then you eliminate those stresses on the pelvic floor and also not only there, but also on your belly and your organs. And that way you, you, you're you sort of protecting your pelvic floor, but what you do every day, everything that you do counts when you're recovering, right?
0: I just so, sat up straighter. Yeah, By the way, too. I just sat up straight. <laughs> but when, you, when, when you're talking about leaning forward and putting that pressure on the pelvic floor, I'm thinking of what, how your posture looks when you're breastfeeding. So you need yeah. to be much more aware as you're breastfeeding to try to be in the more of an upright position, especially since you're going to have the weight of the baby likely like on the stomach also if it's yeah, healing. It's tr-
1: yeah, that's really true because the thing with breastfeeding is a lot of women go to the baby, but you have to bring the baby towards you. And you have to be very upright, but everybody wants to look down and see mm-hmm. the baby. And I get that because you have this beautiful bundle and you're like all oh, in love. But then that could like give you like a huge problem, you know, and trigger points in your belly and, and give you all kinds of issues. So it's really important to really pay attention and to support your back while you're breastfeeding, to sit up straight right? To bring the baby to you, not you go to the baby, right? There's a whole, there's a whole mm-hmm. thing about breastfeeding mechanics, but, but those are the simple things that you can do right away to prevent any kind of issues.
0: Okay. I want to just fast forward to a couple more things before I have to let you go. We, we we've hit on kind of childbirth, but then let's fast forward that we're in, you know, 15, 20 years and we're starting to be, you know, mid forties and we're getting into the fifties and we're starting to feel menopause set in. And then you're going to tell me that we're all going to think, well, it's just natural. This is part of menopause and we're just going to let this go. This doesn't need to no. be the mindset.
1: No, I don't think that needs to be the, man- the mindset. I think with menopause, especially as you're going through the hormonal changes, when you start to decrease in the amount of estrogen that you have, you actually have to work harder on the body because the the, the thing that closes off the urine from pouring out of your bladder and leaking on yourself and the things that keep your orgasms really happy is estrogen and testosterone, right? We have receptors that keep us really juicy down there. And sometimes in menopause, you lose a lot of estrogen, you lose testosterone, you lose a lot of your hormones. So you have to compensate by having stronger muscles, more supple muscles, right? To increase the circulation and the juiciness in that area. So that you don't leak, because a lot of women, when they hit menopause and they get that hormonal change, boom, the incontinence sets in right away. If they had a hysterectomy, uh, there's a great chance that they'll prolapse, right? A lot of doctors Mm -hmm. don't tell women that, but they're at at a greater risk. Prolapse.
0: Wow. You know, and, and here I was just thinking, you know, you, you, a lot of women start to use that K way, <laughs> well, not the K way, the KY, right? They're using jellies because, you know, you talked about everything not being as lucid and not being, you know, that, I, that okay. seems to be in my conversations, you know, that that seems to be the, the product that comes up the most. That doesn't we can we can fix that internally.
1: I think so. I think that you can increase, you know, the vitality of the tissue. By doing the internal work, by doing the Kegels, the reverse Kegels, and increasing the blood flow. You can do belly dancing. You can do thrusting. You can do hip circles. I mean, there's a thousand things that you can do to keep your um, sexual vitality alive, right? We don't have to shrivel up and go to the corner and be like, it's all over for us. Because sometimes when you go through menopause, the skin can get very fragile, right? And so then you have to think about what am I going to do with that? But then that sends a, a message to the pelvic floor, right? So menopause is the time to reclaim, really reclaim mm-hmm. our vitality, right? Because we're just going into the best years of our lives. See, how, we can be
0: free. How great would that be if, if women actually believe that, that they believe that they had an opportunity to live their best lives now and to be able to run and jump and do things and feel good about it Uh, and be intimate and feel good about it and and not dread it. I think they dread exercise because they're going to leak. They're dreading intimacy Mm because it's going to hurt. So where can they go to look and see? Because we we mentioned some of these modalities. We mentioned some of these exercises, um, some of these pressure points and where massages can happen. Where can they go to get a better visual? I mean, they can listen to this, but I think visually they need to see or understand how it works. Where's the best place to go? Well,
1: I think the best place to go is to follow me you know, if you can. And I think, you know, coming to the masterclass would be incredible because it would be a big, deep opening for everyone. Um, there's a lot of information on YouTube and I call it Dr. Google. Most of it is inaccurate, right? So the most important thing is to go where you feel the, the best information is. And this mm-hmm. is why I do the masterclass because I really want to open up the conversation, right? For women. So I think that joining the masterclass would be a great thing. Um, following me on 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 facebook because
0: i do a lot of facebook lives yeah i do a lot yeah i love that and then also there's the the but the pelvicpainrelief.com that would be the best place right that that website carries yeah. most of that and then have access to the master classes i'm actually going to be putting links on on you know into my newsletter uh, into the facebook and letting people know when this podcast comes out where to be able to find that information and i love the fact too that you're allowing some of our listeners here to be able to check in and have some fun and get in on that master class because they can go to uh the pelvicpainrelief.com and then do the front slash put in leanne uh, and they'll have some access to being able to figure out a little bit more and to get in on that master class. What would you say, Issa, and, and I love this chat, if there are three things that women can walk away with right now in terms of small changes that they can do, a different mindset that they can have, what would you say that would be?
1: I think the, 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 the first thing, and this is a great question, would be to understand that you have the power over your own body, that you can heal yourself with the right guidance and that you really can awaken this doctor within you and you don't have to be afraid, right? That I think that that's the first first thing, that this is is fixable and that you're the one that has to really take the responsibility for it because no one's going to help you with that. I think, you know, being really careful with the way you're sitting, I think it's really, really super important. I, I believe that too. I believe also, you know making sure that when you're in the bathroom that you're not, like, pushing with defecation and urination because that really puts a lot of stress on the pelvic floor muscles. And the, the last thing I would say is to understand that maybe you're not a candidate for Kegels and you should be doing something more of a relaxed program, right? And then that's, that's, the, that's the nuance, right? And that <clears throat> it can be hit or miss. And sometimes you try something and it doesn't work, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to work for the long term. It just means that it didn't work that moment Mm -hmm. because maybe you didn't know enough, you didn't have enough knowledge to piece it together, right? Once you get this knowledge base, it's like, I've seen women just like come and tell me what to do. I'm like, great, I love it. (laughs)
0: Well, and, and to give it time, I think, you know, when we mm-hmm. talked about, you know, having that magic pill there, there could be something and it will work or it can work. You just have to give it a little bit of time for your body to acknowledge that this is going to be a new movement or a new technique or a new way of being that will actually mm-hmm. help in the long run. And I, yeah. and for me too, the, the Kegels, you know, I, I just remember everyone saying, just do keep doing your Kegels, keep doing your Kegels and to understand that this might not be for everybody. And it could be doing more damage than good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So So well said.
0: You know what, you've got a mission to help a million women, Isa. And I know you're trying to do it by training others and having other practitioners get on board and be able to share this message as well. But for the 20 some plus thousand that have already signed up for the masterclass, it's really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to having uh, some feedback from the listeners here uh, that probably weren't expecting this kind of a dialogue or this type of a conversation, but hopefully really took something out of it. Isa, I really appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you so much and i' I'm, I'm so grateful to you, Leanne, for having this conversation and for bringing it to you it's it's really beautiful you're gonna it's gonna help a lot of women and I'm super grateful because a lot of people will shy away from this topic, and you know I think it's, but it's we're fifty percent like, of the
0: population like there's fifty percent <laughs> of the population, and fifty percent of women they're dealing with this. That's a quarter yeah. of the population of the world, really when you think about it, yeah oh. yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Oh, thank you so much, Isa. Wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. And, you know, for, for taking this risk with me on this, doing this first podcast of, of not being face to face, I really appreciate it. Isa, thank you so much. And for more information, as we mentioned, pelvicpainrelief.com. Great information there. And, of course, the access uh, to the master classes. And do check out Isa. I'll have all the spelling and everything on my site so that you can join her on Facebook as well. Isa, have a fantastic day. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. It was a deep pleasure to be here. I'm really, really appreciative. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you.
1: Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga.